0: Let's go to the Lord for a moment of prayer together. Heavenly Father, if ever there was a need for hope in this world, it is right now. And so Father, as we open your word in these moments, interrupt our status quo, interrupt our skepticism and our our cynicism and Lord speak truth into our hearts and minds that you would transform us into the image of Jesus and it's in his name that we pray today, amen. It was 1980, and I was in fifth grade, and we were getting ready for the Christmas concert at school. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. All the kids are packed onto the risers. The families are out there. The, ki- the, the, the parents are waiting, and the music was going great. We were singing of three or four carols. The concert was, was rocking along, and we got to up on the housetop. And we're, I'm up there, and all of a sudden, I got this strange feeling. And the walls began to close in in my mind and my vision. It was getting black and blurry around the sides. And I'm thinking, whoo, what's this? And then next thing you know, I'm wobbling. And, and, and as I begin to fall backwards into the row behind me, I could hear the reminder of my, my teachers that was saying, remember, don't lock your knees up there. Oh my goodness, I locked him, I was fainting. If you've been there, I just like I felt free falling. And I went, boom, I hit the ground, and there was a gasp in the crowd out there. And a, a teacher ran over, and she go, oh, he fainting, he'll be all right. And she like drug me off stage. <laughs> Concert went on. It was a Christmas interruption that was unexpected. We're starting a new series today called Pardon the Interruption. Interruptions happen in our lives. It's, a, it's when something jumps in and steps into the status quo and it, it shakes it up. We've all had interruptions. Some of them are, are small interruptions. Like if you're a parent, you've been working all day, you get home, you're like, I just want to sit on the couch with the remote, watch my favorite show, and like you get settled in. Ah. And then your kid comes running in and jumps in your lap. Would you come throw football with me, Mom, or, or Dad, and read me a book? And you're like, okay, all right, a, a small interruption. Maybe, but there's, there's big interruptions that happen in our lives. Maybe it's that day you're, you're just sitting around doing the normal, and you get a phone call and like, hey, mom's in the hospital. You need to get over here quick. Maybe you walk into the factory, and you, they hand you a pink slip, and they, it's a layoff notice, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your life is different, and there's been an interruption. And so we're all going to face, and that's the, the truth of life. But here's the problem and the, the challenge that we face is how Are we going to react? Am I going to react in fear or am I going to lean into the Lord in faith? Am I going to react with rejection of him or or annoyance? Or am I I going to just lean in and say, God, what do you want to teach me this year? Because I believe this season that our Heavenly Father wants to interrupt the status quo of our lives. He wants to to step in to our lives this season. And he wants to confront us and call us to a renew in our lives. Here's the, here's the truth that 2,000 years ago, our Heavenly Father, He, he interrupted the, the course of, of time and humanity as He, he said, The image of like what your understanding of me is, as God is, is getting skewed. It's so often, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send my Son into the world, into the flesh, as a remedy for your sin problem. It was the greatest interruption in the history of the world. And we're gonna look at in this series how did people react to that interruption? some that welcomed it there were some that were praying for it and hoping and there was others that that were against it that that it it interrupted like their schemes and so we're gonna dive into that over the next few weeks so for a, a few hundred years we're gonna see that the Jewish people were were longing for change and hoping for an interruption and they were under oppression and longing for a deliverer and they had expectations of, on their own mind? Would it be a military leader? Would it be a great rabbi? Would it, what's this Messiah gonna look like that they were praying for and longing for? And, and just like people back then were hoping for an interruption, there's people right here today that are longing for an interruption. They're, they're praying, God, would you, would you interrupt the status quo of my life? Because it, this world is going crazy. There's so much violence out there. Lord, I look on the TV and there's just, there's just chaos out there. And in my own family, Lord, would you step in and intervene in my marriage over here? Or, or would you, Lord, please interrupt my son's life and call him back to the faith, Lord? Would you step into my pain, Lord, and the brokenness even so, Lord, quickly come? Because, you know, it's natural many times for us to, to wonder about the details that, that we don't have and to, to start thinking, God, you're getting it all wrong around here. You're treating people like, I, I wouldn't even treat them like that. You know, like it's natural. And we're like, start to, to get these weird thoughts. And we begin to ask this question right here as we look around at the world. Where is hope? Where is hope? And so as we dive in today, I want to share with you one of the most, uh, the coolest, unexpected uh, Advent scriptures that you might not have ever considered before. It's in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It's just one verse, and I want us to, to take a look at that verse together right now. It says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. You're like, wait a second. I, what does this have to do with the birth of Christ? Listen to this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his root, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. We're going to unpack that a little bit today, but I want you to consider in Texas, we have these beautiful trees, crepe myrtles. Man, I love these. Maybe you have them in your yard, the pink ones, the white, they're everywhere. They're, and what's so cool about the crepe myrtles is they, they have an uncanny ability to like spring back. Like when you prune them back, like you could cut this thing to a stump. And next thing you know, it's sprouting out some new ones. Man, if you got these, like you see them trimmed like that, and they come back, and they come back. And so here's what the prophet Isaiah was. He was looking into, into the culture that he lived in. And in the Lord's people, the Israelites, had been taken into to captivity in Assyria. And all hope of this once great nation had been cut down to a stump. And they saw impossibility before them. They had been cut down to Nothing. I love what an old country preacher once said. He said, when your life is down to nothing, God is up to something. Isn't that great? God is up to something in your life right now. Even though you can't see it or smell it, maybe it's been a a banner year or maybe it's been a barren year for you. But God is up to something. He was up to something in the nation of Israel 700 years before Christ when, when the prophet Isaiah looked through time and space and he saw the lineage of Christ. And he, he prophesied how it would come through the house of Jesse and through David. And then he told how it would, a virgin would conceive and give birth. And so the prophet Isaiah, as he was prophesying, it was almost like God was saying, I'm calling my shot, eight ball corner pocket. He was calling it before it ever even happened. Wow. Did you know that there was over 300 direct prophecies in the Bible, in the Old Testament about Jesus' birth? 300 that God fulfilled perfectly. Can you imagine that, that trick shot? It's like, okay, off of the moose antler, off of the neon sign, off the lamp, then on the table, off the bank, and into the corner pocket impossible shot but God pulled it off the prophecies here was a savior and could it be that the eagle-eyed prophet Isaiah could look through time and space out into the future and see hope could see a shoot coming out of a stump wow In Advent, we look forward in anticipation and expectation of a coming hope. That's what this season is all about. In Israel, they were down to nothing. They had run out of hope, and they were waiting for a Messiah. In Galatians chapter 4, we see that the Apostle Paul says this. He says, In the fullness of time, God sent his son to be born of a virgin. And there's a phrase, in the, the fullness of time. What does this mean? It was that God had a plan. It wasn't an accident. And it was at this point in history that God was going to birth his son. And so let me give you a couple of just a historical and little background of why it was the fullness of time. If you think about the region over there in the Holy Lands, and if you go up at the Mediterranean Basin over toward Italy and Rome, And so Rome was now controlling all this area. And there was a thing called the Diaspora, which was the dispersion of the Jews through this region. And so they weren't just now back in Jerusalem all together. They were beginning to go out and to be a people around that were going to be ready with open hearts to receive their Messiah when the message came to them. There was a favorable legal environment. Like, Rome has this massive empire that was all over this place. And, and at, the, at one time, Caesar Augustus said, everyone will worship me. But in this time, when Christ was born, it was a little more tolerant. He told the Jews, you can worship the way that you want to worship. Just, you know, keep to yourself. And so there was, a, there was a, a, an openness there. There was a favorable political climate going on. You see, Rome had... Taking over all these, these little communities and, and tribes. And, like, and so the empire was growing. And so Rome was out building roads everywhere. It was the first highway system. You know, all roads lead to Rome. And they even, it was the birth of like the highway patrol, as they would have people stationed along these roads to protect travelers. And so people were, and trade was more than ever. And people were, were able to move freely around the region. And finally, there was a cultural climate that was ready. In the Roman culture, they had made the common Greek language the, the language of the empire. And so people all the way from Luke and the, the apostles over here were speaking this this Greek and writing in it. Why is this important? So that the, that when the news came, it could spread across there and, in a way that, that humankind had never seen before. And the ability for the word and the message of Jesus to go out in the fullness of time. And so The Jewish people, they were were longing for a deliverer. But today, I know we've got some people in here who are searching and just clinging and looking for some some hope. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out. You might have saw it, Hope Floats. You know, that's not the kind of hope we're talking about today. Because the hope we're talking about, hope sinks. This hope is an anchor. It sinks down and it grabs into the bottom to hold us. It's a hope in Jesus Christ. Listen to what? The Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8 when he says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so what is he talking about here? That that because the world is broken in sin, that even the the planet Earth is groaning and there's tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes, and even the, the Earth itself is groaning, just like we groan in our lives, for like, Lord, come and rescue us from this. And so going on, it says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Maybe God has you in a season of patience. He's, he's letting you wait because see, a hope that is seen is, is no hope at all. The other day I was, went to the doctor's office for just a routine checkup and I'm sitting in there and I was like looking around and man, there was like, A bunch of people, maybe you've seen this. I was just thinking, man, everybody in here is hoping for something. Like, I'm going to hope for a good report from the doctor, a good diagnosis. I'm hoping they have a cure for whatever I have. Here's a young mother. I hope that my baby's developing okay. And so everybody's hoping and hoping. And today in this room, there's people that are hoping for something. You're hoping that God's going to come through and open up that job you've been praying for. You're hoping that things are going to come through for you in your life. We're all hoping for something. You know, I hope that the Dallas Cowboys will win the Super Bowl, as, as do all good Christians around the world. <laughs> but that, that kind of hope is a, it would be nice hope. The Bible teaches us of a different hope, a, a hope that's deeper, a hope that is oftentimes learned the hard way, and that's something we don't always wanna hear. A couple of weeks ago, I was out at the Connection Cafe and people were drinking coffee families and I come up to this family and there's like a 10-year-old boy and I said, hey man, how's school? And he's like, great. I go, who's your favorite teacher? And like, he had this wisdom like this, this phrase and it me. I was like, what? He goes, well, it depends. Are you talking about the one that's the most fun or the one that I learned the most from? Like, wow. I thought about that a moment. You know, we all want life to be fun and it to all be like uh, just a gingerbread house and it's a wonderful life this Christmas. But you know what? There's seasons where God takes us through the hard things, when it's hard to teach us to trust in him, when reality is that that there's pain and we're cut down to a stump and it looks impossible, and that's where God starts his work. The next thing is that a lot of people were asking is how does hope come? How does hope come? It's clear from Scripture that God's economy and the way he works is is so opposite of the way we we think sometimes. And if you want to be the greatest, you need to be what? The least, the servant. He flips it around upside down, inside out, and he does way, like we don't, I can't conceive in our cognitive minds many times. And and, and why, why does he do that? I believe that it's so God can say, hey, it's not dependent upon you. I'm going to do something the hard way so that you can say, look at God. Look what he's doing in my life. And so we, when we look at the birth of Christ, we can't just gloss over and, and just, like, just look over and sanitize the story. Or we strip it of its significance. We gotta, we, we're going to miss a window into the heart of God if we don't see how hard it was, how impossible. How could a virgin conceive? And, and what does all this mean? man, God wants to work things out the hard way. Sometimes it's cut down to nothing. Remember when Moses in the Old Testament, God called him, he said, I want you, Moses, to, to head over there to Pharaoh, and I want you to say, let my people go. And so think about this. What if Moses is like, okay, and he just cruises on over there into the presence of Pharaoh, let my people go. And then, ph- and then Pharaoh's like, oh, okay, that's, yeah, y'all take off, see ya. Like, no, like when God said, I want you to go say, let my people go. In the next phrase he's saying, he's going to say no. Why would God call him into this knowing that he was going to say no? It's because God was saying, I want to show you that it's not, Moses, how eloquent you are and what a great persuader you are, but I want to demonstrate my power. I'm going to come through the plagues, and I'm going to take, and I'm going to be, there's going to be no doubt that this is my, my work. And then think about this. They got out there. They got to the Red Sea. The easy way, would God could have said, go around this, this route here, and, and that'll be cool. But God said, no, I'm going to take you the hard way. Go up to the Red Sea. Hold up your staff, Moses. I'm going to part this thing, and y'all are going to go through the middle of it the hard way. Why? Because God wanted to, to show that, that, that self is never an adequate support system, that, that our own abilities and our own work are, are never going to get us there, that difficulties will will come. But God says, I want to show you my power. Listen to what Isaiah tells us, that it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when in our lives. He says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not set you ablaze when are you in the middle of the fire right now in your life are you looking for hope i love this other amazing story in the old testament the story of gideon he had 32,000 warriors in his army and they were about to go out and face and god's like no i'm going to do something different I'm going to whittle this thing down to 300 men. And Gideon's like, wait a second, what? And God said, trust me. And they go out and they win a great victory. Why? Because God wanted to say, look, it's not about your power. It's not about your strategy. It's not about what you can figure out cognitively. It's that it's my strength. And I'm going to bring a shoot out of a stump, something that looks impossible. I've got it for you this season. The last thing is this. The best news for us this season is to realize this, that hope is a who, and that who is Jesus. Hope is a who. It kind of sounds like a children's book title or something like Dr. Seuss. Hope is a who, but it's true. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ You see, what we have today, we're on this side of Isaiah's prophecy. We're on this side of the manger. We have Jesus, and he's in our life now. But how many times have we just grown accustomed to it or gotten God, and just taking it for granted that Jesus is here. And we're looking at for our hope and other stuff. But God's telling us today, He said, your bank account can't hold your hope. Your friends can't hold your hope. Your status can't hold your hope. Jesus Christ can hold on to you for all of eternity. Your hope is a who. Listen to what the word of God says in John chapter 1. You know this verse well. Probably if you've heard it, it says, The word became flesh, and that's Jesus and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth wow this amazing in this invisible almighty eternal god humbled himself to step into the cloak of human flesh as a frail baby, to step into the dirt and the dust and the sin and the hatred of this world. And he was spit on, and he knows rejection, and he knows betrayal, and he knows what it feels like to be talked behind his back about. He stepped into this world cloaked in commonness. Wow, why would he do that? I believe that he stepped into it in commonness so that we common people, we normal, ordinary people could, could venture to say maybe he would come for someone like me. You know, I think the real splendor of Christmas is the lack thereof, the commonness. The word became flesh. Can you imagine? No theologian could ever just come up with this concept. No rabbi could dream up this, that an that eternal God would step into this planet. And become what the angels called his name, Emmanuel, God with us. Whew. Emmanuel is made up of two Hebrew words, imanu and El. Emmanu is translated with us, and El is a shortened down version title of God, Elohim, and from the Old Testament. And so, what this basically means is that he is a with us God. Uh, with this God. And why is that important? That I don't have to think that he's just a near me God or he's in the zip code of my life, but he is with me. He's in my loneliness right now. He's in my suffering and in my, my pain with me. He is Emmanuel. He is God with me. Wow, why is that so important? It's because this, because for just a moment, we might understand how valuable we are to our Heavenly Father, that he thinks that highly of us, that he would come in and he would become our hope. Hope is a who. Hope is a who. You see, I don't know sometimes, I don't know how, but I know a who. And I don't know when it's going to come in my life, but I know a who. And I don't know where the supply is going to come from, but I know a who because I have Hope in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like me, I love those stories that you see on the news every now and then when a a military guy's overseas for a while or a a lady and they come back and they surprise their their child. And so, not long ago, I saw this story of Lucas' sister Nino and he was uh, studying Taekwondo, and his dad had been stationed for like a year over in Jordan and Syria, and his dad got to come back a few days earlier than what the son thought. And so the Taekwondo people, they were like, okay, put the blindfold on, and, and he's like nine years old, and you're gonna spar. And so once he got it on, they, they brought his dad out. I want you to take a quick look at this tiny clip of what happened. <laughs> Beautiful interruption your heavenly father wants to interrupt your life this season with beauty to call you back into a new place he's stepping into your life to show you how valuable he is and he says I know you don't always get it right I remember that you were made of dust but I sent my son into the dust to be Emmanuel to be God with us and so this This Advent season, your your Heavenly Father wants to step into your status quo. He wants to to shake it up. And so my question to you as we wrap this up is how are you going to respond? You gonna sit there with indifference? Are you gonna open your heart to receive the Savior and make room in the end in your life? Imagine that that God is is speaking a new hope into people all in this room. He's speaking a new generosity into your heart in a place where you used to to be more like just selfish about things. Maybe He's speaking over here into your life a need for forgiveness to that person that that you just had a festering wound, and maybe He's speaking over here at some tolerance into to. to and compassion on that person at work that just drives you crazy. God is speaking a new hope into your life. Imagine if all of us in this room were to rise up and say, yes, God, yes, God, crash into my life, interrupt my life. Yes, please, God, we need you. Transform us today with your hope. Oh, church, my prayer is that your heart would echo with Christians all around here in this church and people around the world looking for hope that have been searching for centuries and that, that through your mind and your heart would echo this, this refrain that says, oh holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be be, be born in me today. We hear the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. Oh come to us. Abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. God is with us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that you stepped into this world to bring us hope and forgiveness and grace. And so let us now go out and be a light, a shining beacon of that hope to the people who so desperately need it around us this week. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.